Welcome to Wielding Legacy. My name is Laura Payne Stanley. This podcast is for high achievers, visionaries, creatives, coaches, and consultants. Because the key, the key, the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. You see, I know you are here creating an impact in your industry. You are here building a legacy for you and your family. And it drives you and it occupies your mind. But through my work as a trusted advisor to extraordinary entrepreneurs, I know you aren't yet reaching your greatest potential in business, your performance, and potentially in relationships. I'm known with my clients for being their loudest cheerleader. I often believe in them even before they do so themselves. And yet you can't enroll me in your legacy limiting story. I'm your biggest empowering challenger as you create your ultimate legacy. This podcast is called Wielding Legacy because the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. Welcome to today's Wielding Legacy episode. And today I get to welcome two friends as well as experts to the podcast, entrepreneurial couple and founders of a new concept in network marketing, Kelly and James West from Only. And we discuss legacy and family. For me, originally, it was materialistic. It was money. How much money can I earn? The more, the better, the bigger legacy I'll leave. But now, having thought about it for a few weeks, it's the impact. What impact can I leave? I struggled, Laura, because I thought about legacy. And for me, that feels a really um, self-indulgent idea. It's a luxury, isn't it? This episode is an amazing insight into a couple who are creating their legacy together, very much like Mr. P and I, and what happens when you have differing opinions as an entrepreneurial couple. Welcome today to this episode of Wielding Legacy. I am thrilled today to welcome a husband and wife team. And why am I so thrilled about husband and wife team? Who are sitting looking amazingly waiting for me to do this long intro is because I am part of a husband and wife team. Mr. P is my best friend, he's my business partner, and I know the power that can happen in a husband and wife team. So welcome, Kelly and James, to Wielding Legacy. I am delighted to have you both here. It's good to be here. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Laura. I'm going to dive straight in, because I always do on season two of the podcast. What does legacy mean to you both individually and as a couple? Right there. Oh, gentlemen. Ladies first. So, gentlemen. Um, when we talked about this originally and when you suggested we come on, I thought legacy, the, the first thing that springs to my mind or did spring to my mind was money. Materialistic. What What is legacy? What can I physically leave behind when I'm no longer here? And I don't know whether I've ever really thought about it in any detail other than when you kind of mentioned it to us. And it's been great, actually, because we've been talking about it quite a lot, haven't we? And I would suggest it's actually made us think about where our business goes. So for me, originally, it was materialistic. It was money. How much money can I earn? The more, the better, the bigger legacy I'll leave. But now, having thought about it for a few weeks, it's the impact. What impact can I leave? So what area of my little piece of the world can I change how big can I make that area and how much impact can I make as part of my legacy? Oof. Well, you've got to follow up there, James. So what, what did you think of legacy? And I'm going to say this to everybody who's listening or watching on YouTube. James is a journalist. So that means I know James comes at this from a slightly different perspective as well, from his journalistic nature of what did legacy mean to you when you first thought about it individually? 
Are you expecting me to just turn the question around and go, well, Laura, what do you no, think? No, no, no. I know <laughs> you too well, as well as being guests. They're also friends of mine. So I know James very well at this moment. Don't do that. What does it mean <laughs> to you? I, I struggled, Laura, because I thought about legacy. And for me, that feels a really um, self-indulgent Ooh. idea. It's a luxury, isn't it? And I think, ah, there we go. That is my notion of legacy because um, – For me, my legacy is allowing my kids and the people that our business touches to even consider legacy, because I come from a background where it was more about survival is a bit extreme. I don't come from like a war zone, so you've got to be a little bit careful. But certainly I come from, well, we both come from very humble working class backgrounds where it wasn't legacy was basically I just do my best with my kids and but nothing really got passed down because Mm -hmm. that's a notion that's for you know the elite for the rich so I think for me when I thought about legacy I thought well that's nothing to do with me but then I thought well it is because we've worked really hard to get to a point where we can have a conversation about legacy Mm. and that let's just pick up on that for any listeners or anyone watching on YouTube right now And I've said this on every episode so far, legacy is completely unique to everybody. We all have a different generational narrative. Some people will actually have been born into a world and they would have had a legacy passed down to them in terms of it may be, as Kelly said, um, items or money. Other people didn't. So actually, for some people, they are the first generation in their lineage creating a legacy. And even I've just said that, I've got goosebumps because that feels big, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel almost like there's a sense of responsibility too, but privilege to be in a position to have these conversations about legacy. Yeah, definitely. And again, we chatted about this this morning, didn't we, in preparation for coming on here. And I was, I am the first person in my family to have bought their own house. That's huge. That's, That's, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge thing. And did you take time to celebrate that when you did it? No, not at all. Didn't even consider it. Didn't even, I think we spoke about it probably last year, you know, we, and I went, oh, cool. Wow. I actually was the first person to mine my property. And in response to that, James was the first to go to university from his family. Yeah. And again, huge. But I think you felt pressure from that aspect of it, didn't you? Whereas for me, I don't think I'd even considered it. You know, my mum still lives in a council house now. You know, it's like that was just what the next step was and it didn't really enter my head that there would be another option. So, no, to take the time out and actually celebrate that and actually now to be buying another house, a second house, we sat down the other day and we went, wow, this is huge. This is a massive step for us. This is a next level on of our journey. And, yes, we do absolutely need to be able to take the time to, to look at that and really take in what that means. Yeah, um, yeah. A... I would, James, I'm, I just want to pick up on something you said because maybe some of the listeners and viewers might not know this that Mr. P was the first person in his family to go into university. They were all tradespeople, and he was the first person. Although, actually, now he's at flight school as we're recording this right today, he's getting his pilot's license. That for something in his family is like legacy shattering. You know, he's the first to go to university and he's paying for to get his own private pilot's license. But I know at the time, as you just said, and Kelly just mentioned about responsibility. It can feel sometimes like, is that your legacy you were creating? Or is there expectations of the family that actually, you know, you are the first to go to university, whether you actually even wanted to or not, and I don't know, 
but sometimes we can carry our parents or our family's legacy almost on our back as a responsibility. How does that land with you, James? I don't think they did it deliberately. I think they were really proud to be able to facilitate the background that they come from sending me to university. But I did feel a weight of pressure. I was the golden Mm. boy. I was the one that moved away and I became a journalist. And it did flatten me for quite a long time. I've also got the added thing about the fact that, um, you know, I'm the only boy, even though my dad's got five um, brothers and sisters that would potentially carry on the west Mm. name so we're talking about family legacy um so I felt like a responsibility that I had to have kids and I mean as it turned out I ended up having three boys so you know in that respect mission accomplished but did it did you know taking them aside and what they brought me did that really do me a lot of good to kind of live that life it's only really Mm. since I've met Kelly and our notion of then family legacy has come become something very different because Kelly's got two children. I've got three children. We haven't got children of our own because we only met. Well, we were. I was nearly forty when we met, weren't? Wasn't I? Yeah, close to. Yeah. Um. So our legacy collectively becomes something. We we obviously want to support our children, um, and we love our children, and we want to pass down what we can to them in terms of knowledge, wisdom, and financial stability. But we don't have that as a shared thing because we don't have our own children. So it becomes only our networking business. Sounds ridiculous, but that is our equivalent. That's our baby. Okay, right. Now, the coach in me has to kind of kick in here because if you're a frequent (laughs) listener to the podcast, you will know when someone says their business is a baby, it makes me very twitchy. Why? Because when I say to a client, actually, you need to chop off that arm of that baby because it's not being commercially viable, Mm. it, it can become a very entangled different experience do i believe that businesses can become our heart and soul yes but that degree of separation sometimes can can be beneficial for us to have that objectivity when it comes to different parts of the business can't it okay now i want to can i just ask something about only guys just kind of jumping in there because i if you if by the way if you haven't and you're new to the podcast go and look up what only is because it's a different concept of networking when you created only, did you know that you were creating a different legacy, a different impact in terms of the networking industry? Did that even cross your mind that you were doing that? Oh, it's a good question because I don't know how. It... I know the answer. No. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> yeah not, yes, but no, not, no, not in yeah. that. We knew we wanted to do a different way of networking because the latent potential and the fact that networking, as we grew up with it, once you learn how to play, the game networking is incredibly powerful for business owners because it gives you support camaraderie education business opportunities i think every every small business can benefit from networking the problem is networking as it was actually alienates a lot of people it's not inclusive because unless you play the game the way that the rules have been defined typically by the networking organization you ain't gonna have a good time And most networking organisations, particularly back then, are driven by the transactional part of networking. What's the referral? What's in it for me? We didn't want that. We wanted one that actually brought to the forefront the point of relationships are more important. You know, I went to networking for mental health. That's not something that you would perhaps make an association with networking Mm. if you think of it as transactional. But for me, I was quite good at earning money 
but I was really miserable because I was doing it on my own, truly mm. on my own. So I went to networking because I felt really depressed and it gave me meaningful connection. And if you know anything about depression, meaningful connection is one of the tenets that's kind of un- non-negotiable. If you don't have solid connections in your life or you don't feel connected to something, that's really poor for mental health. So I think in the beginning it was like, yeah, there's a better way to network, but I don't think we thought about the legacy. That's only really come out more recently. But I think that is, um, and you sit on my shoulder all the time and you'll quite often say to me, what would Laura say? You know, Because (laughs) it's our limiting beliefs. And we said this this morning. So I, I think... I had that thought of, wow, imagine if this was a worldwide business. Ends there. Didn't really go any further. I think the fact that it took hold very quickly and that we kind of were running before we could even walk helped us propel it forward. Sheer grit and determination, of course, as Mm. well, was an awful lot of that. But I think it's only probably now, four years later, that we go, yeah we're really on something here you know this is this this has got wings and it's going to fly but that's I think partly from where we've come from we've never been held back you know our parents are great given us everything they possibly could very loving never any expectations but did any of them have any drive to push something as hard as we have no no probably not doesn't mean they weren't happy healthy and all the rest of it but and of course they're absolutely thrilled for us but because we come from that mindset I think we're always going to be can we really do that can we really do that so it's about changing that mindset isn't it and Mm. being open to that being something that that actually is going to happen and how much do you think your narratives your stories the beliefs the behaviors that you were around growing up has led you now to being the successful business owners that you are how much did that shape your drive is the word that you just used Kelly how much has that shaped who you are right now today here with me? I don't think it has at all. I think I if think anything, it's I, I think personally, I've had to battle against it rather than enhance it. Because look, I think it's like the start with why question, isn't it? I always think that's a luxury to be able to think in terms of why am I doing this? What's the global view? Because let's face it, most businesses start out of necessity. You know, for us, it was like when we met, We've got two houses, we've got a split family, we've got debt. What do we need to do in order to earn money? And I don't think there's any problem with that Mm -hmm. in the short term to say, I need to earn money to get to a point where I can start thinking about grandiose ideas like legacy. Mm -hmm. But having said that, one of the things that most helped us is when we defined our culture. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I say to you, right, one of the goals of Only, we want to become the global leader for online business networking. And you'll go, great, that's a cool goal. Um, And we might get there, but it isn't particularly sexy and it's not particularly exciting for anyone. Honestly, if you said that to me, James, I'd go, why? For what purpose? Yeah. And and this is the. It's a mission without soul. Exactly. It's something that's like, why? How does that make function? And and that's what we realized about something like legacy is that that growth goal is a byproduct of the other activity so if i said to you for example and this is true this is built into our culture playbook ben jury we need to give him a shout out because he (laughs) helped us define all this stuff but um one of the visions of only is to improve the mental health of all business owners to make sure they never feel alone all business owners can feel connected and supported that 
is a reason to do. There's a why there, even though, you know, I'm a little bit, we'll be careful with why because you need to earn money, but that's something tangible. And when you talk about legacy and when we talk about the feedback that we got through lockdown where people said, you kept us going, Mm. only was the community that gave me focus. You gave us leadership. You kind of made it okay to be doing what we were doing and you got me through lockdown. That's something that you can think, well, if we can build on that and make it bigger and people feel that strong, if it changes people's lives in that way, then it is worth doing, isn't it? It is. And I think the fact that we, you know, we, we agree on most things. I'm sure you and Lee will agree with this. And those are things that we fundamentally not disagree on, but we have differing views. And I think that, you know, going back to the question where you kind of had to push back, not on your upbringing, but on, on elements of, of that pressure, et cetera, for me, my dad was a Royal Marine, so, you know, there was no emotion. It was very loved, but you didn't cry if you fell over. You didn't do all of those things. So for me in business, I've taken that through. And, and like you'll say to me, my resilience is ridiculous. That's not always a good thing. You can be too far in the other direction. So we're not completely at either ends of those scale, but I would be up here like, yeah, okay, well, it's not going to bother me. I'm not going to let it bother me. And I'm just moving forward. Whereas you would maybe err on the side of it bothering you too much or it it causing you a problem moving forward. We've helped each other come closer to the middle because it's not healthy being either side of those. Well, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? About actually does our past help fuel us? Um, can it help us drive us or is it hindering us? And sometimes actually it's just a quick reframe because it is a case of how do we perceive? And, you know, I'm over 40 now. I've got four decades of any narrative I had as a kid that being heavily embedded in my mm. mindset. And this is the thing with narratives sometimes that we don't realize. Just change it. We can just decide, you know, however old we are to go, is that true? Because what is truth? What is, and a lot of time truth is just our perception of truth. So what you two are saying is that from almost similar but different backgrounds, one person handles it one way, one person handles it another way. And by the way, if if I had a picture right now, we might show it up if I can find it. I don't think I have one. Of when Kelly said she's resilient, I remember we were, there was an in-person meeting happening and Kelly had flat shoes on. Now, if you meet Kelly Western person, normally there's a really big heel <laughs> and she's very good at walking in them. And she had flat shoes on. So it was like, this was an unusual, especially for me. I know everything about everyone. I'm like, there's flat shoes. She's like, oh, I hurt my foot. When she says hurt her foot, I mean like the mo- the biggest table fell on her foot that it was so bruised, so anything else. Anybody else would have been like, I'm not coming. I can hardly walk. <laughs> Kelly's like, no, pick yourself up, get on, put some flat shoes on if I really must and go to something. And what you're saying is sometimes that can be a brilliant muscle, but sometimes that resilience can mask other things because it doesn't it can, allow it, things to come through. It doesn't. And it can also be damaging if you're not that way. So, you know, that's, I don't like the word pressure, but I'll use it because it's, it's right in this scenario. James feels a pressure from me because I'm that way. And from his perspective, sometimes he feels like that's the right way. And I'm always trying to say to him, it's not, you know, it's absolutely not. It's the way I deal with it. And I wouldn't want you to be this way. I don't have loads of things in this. You know, I don't have I'm compartmentalized stuff that's waiting to pop open. I haven't. I've, I feel I'm quite grounded and I'm content. But to be in that space, I think people don't don't realize that actually you can be really resilient. You can still have problems. 
you can still have things that get you down there's still stuff going on that I you know I, I don't deal with particularly well I'm all right with that it's okay I move it forward because that's who I am but I think people think you're a bit of a robot when you're in that space and and that's what can be a little bit upsetting I think sometimes but but I think the pressure that it puts on other people to be the same as me when they don't need to be yeah I I often feel this I've got better at it because yeah. I think we've kind of reconciled and talked it through but very much this sense of I'm like I feel like I probably work harder than most people I know and I feel like I've endured more than most people I know yeah I can never reach that level uh, if there's anyone listening that understand uh, I have to use an analogy that I understand and probably none of your listeners will <laughs> This is arrogant. This is awful. <laughs> Listen to this. What okay, don't to say. we don't need we don't need the pre-frame. I love that we were softening up. This is mad. Just, if you even understand any of the context, of this. I'm looking I forward to like, where we're going. I feel like the Scotty Pippen to your Michael Jordan. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about that, Scotty Pippen, one of the top 50 NBA basketball players of all time, absolute legend of the game. He just couldn't be Michael Jordan, could he? <laughs> Because <laughs> no one could be Michael Jordan, and that's sometimes how I feel. But I'll be pipping all day long. He was cool. Yeah, exactly. And and I think you know Batman being, and uh, Robin would be something that more people would probably understand. I felt a I bit. It's an interesting thinking, concept, oh. though. Yeah, it's an interesting concept as we build legacy, and especially as you do it as a couple. Again, married, not married, it doesn't matter if you're partners, and that can be whether you're romantically linked or not romantically linked. Yeah. Actually, how do you retain your own identity as you create your legacy, but also need a blended communication for two people to achieve a legacy together? Mm. What do you reckon your secret is? Constant check-ins, I think. You know, we've, we've fallen off the wagon a little bit with this, but we used to, well, Mondays is our team day, so we'll sit down and we'll plan and we'll talk about what's been going on. We talk about your business all the time when your husband and wife don't you? Of course you do, but to sit down in that environment and have a, mm. a reason your goals, three months, six months, one year, five year. And ultimately, are we still trying to achieve what we set out to achieve? Has it changed? Do we still want that place in Florida? Do What do we want to do? Because I think unless you've got the same end point in mind, it can go very different space. And, you know, like exit strategy attached with legacy, that's something we've been talking about at the moment. You do your business differently depending on how you ultimately want to exit. Absolutely, yeah. How about for you, James? What's the secret? There's two things. There's the practical bit. We've got different skill sets. So we've got defined roles within the business. I'm, because of my background, I'm marketing websites, comms. Mm -hmm. Kelly wouldn't pretend that she's got my level of knowledge because very few people do. I am, in that respect, probably the most qualified person in the world. Oh, yeah, you've got to be confident. You? <laughs> Who would you find that can do what, well, I, what I can do? I but then I can't find anyone that can do what Kelly does in terms of leadership, driving the business forward, just the bringing of that like can-do attitude because I've got a tendency to be so far on the cautious, cynical, that I need that counterbalance. So you know your role, I know my role, but then that also bleeds into personality that Kelly needs a counterpoint sometimes to say, come on, yeah, you're great at starting things and we absolutely need that energy because I'm not good at starting things because I like I'm too much of a perfectionist. So I get overwhelmed with the starting point. Whereas if you give me something that's half baked, brilliant, because I'll finish it until it shines and it's ready. So I I think that part of us knowing your role, but also having 
complementary personalities in business if you both want to be the leader or the top dog or run each bit of it you're just going to end up at war with each other aren't you yeah change your tack slightly here one of the things that was interesting about what you both were talking about kelly said at the beginning you thought legacy was material and cash and james you were thinking about actually legacy is luxury thinking about it now and when you said actually you can work with what's in front of you an exercise i do with my clients is go far forward into the future we're hoping many 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 decades in the future and you happen to be a fly on the wall at your funeral and you hear your eulogy what words would you love to hear those closest to you saying about you in terms of the impact not the cash not materialistic not even business or legacy in terms of things but what would you love to hear in terms of impact said about you Oh, another good question. You ever thought about that? I've never thought about that. I'm looking at you because I can't think. Okay, well, then they were coming to James first because James was trying to put Kelly on the hot seat, so I'm putting James on the hot seat. Okay, what? <laughs> what, was, <laughs> ah, what would what would be the impact if someone said, "I know James"? By the way, as a friend, I would definitely. This is something I've thought about. I think about this all with all my friends. What's those words, even just a couple of words, if someone said about you in your eulogy that you would be so happy with, so chuffed that that was the impact you'd had on somebody? It's got to just be around that idea of, um, I don't know, I'm really struggling. I don't know. But do you know why I think we struggle with this? Because people tell us this stuff. This sounds really arrogant, but... People tell us what they like about us all the time. And we're really, really lucky, aren't we? People talk to us about only and they tell us what we do really well, why they like us, why we support, how we support them and what we do. So I think we hear it a lot. We're really privileged in that in that space. So just before we wrap up our talk today, I want to know what are your three non-negotiables going forward as you build a legacy as a family? Do you want to start with that one? Yeah, uh, we sat down and we do share that we share these three. So the first one we talked about was longevity. Okay. So for us, it is not, we could get rich quick. We could franchise this business. We could spread it as far and wide as we possibly can. And we could probably make enough money to fulfill our personal goals. Probably no doubt about that. It's not about that for us. It's about the longevity of the business and ultimately the legacy of what only can be when we're not around anymore. So not cashing in, sticking to our cultural guns and making sure that we're on the right path and we're taking the the business, even if that's a really slow, steady approach and building it gradually so that it builds with strength um, and not just rushing to the end goal and then really it going bang as a result. This this sort of answers that question a bit in that I've we've both realized over the years that we would rather people thought about us favorably and that everyone okay, don't burn bridges unless it becomes toxic. That's a core belief of ours. Um, would I rather be the most successful rich person but just leave a trail of destruction or would I rather be less successful less rich because look you know how much money do you need Mm. we can we can build a business that's going to earn us really good money 
but be thought of favorably as people that treated others with fairness and tried to give people time and humility i'd rather that than being jeff bezos i really would because yeah. what's yeah. the point that so that that's why long that's number one i'm loving i'm loving that i'm, I'm now curious to know what's number two you've blended two and oh one. yeah because yeah. i've slammed into fair <laughs> that's right james is breaking rules i don't you know me i don't mind rule breakers go on what's well how have we slammed two together then just because I, I wasn't paying attention but it's fair <laughs> fairness is the second one okay. and i think this doesn't get said enough in business you know that we can be particularly if you look at it through the prism of social media and the narrative of business books it's all about drive and growth and look we spend a long time working do you want to just be miserable and be thought of you know like the people that just cold call on LinkedIn and go yeah but if I connect with 50 people 49 of them might either ignore me or tell me to go away in a less polite way (laughs) but one of them might lead to a bit of business being done so I don't care what price I'm paying and what litany of destruction I'm leaving behind me because it's helping me build my business like that's a miserable way to live your life because let's face it most people that run a business don't become 100 million pound businesses they don't so what it what's in it so what's the point in just trampling over everyone unless you really do are you prepared to do what it takes to get to that ultimate end goal so one longevity, two fairness. Two fairness. Come on, who's going to do number three? Well, we kind of disagreed on this one. Oh, interesting. Agreed, but disagreed. We used different words, which okay. mean very different things. So you No, they literally start, mean they the opposite. They literally mean the opposite. So go for it. So, say what you well, said. Well, you said, start with breadth. Well, I said breadth purely because I do believe in multiple income streams um, for security and stability but not for the sake of having them. I think they have to be relevant to each other. I think you always have to have one that is going to take precedent and that's the one you're going to focus on. Otherwise you lose sight of everything and you can very quickly, you know, make it all go wrong. So I do believe that whether for us it will be property or whatever that other thing is, I do think there needs to be a breadth of income stream. That was where I came from. Yeah, and I see it from the complete opposite because I think if you actually do care about legacy and building something that's sustainable, you have to go deep. It has to have depth because I think this is the problem at the moment. That there's, again, a narrative of we'll have all these income streams and there's there's quick fixes and you can set up an online course and you're going to make – no, you won't. Like, I know you can do it, but do you know the people that make tons of money from online courses are the ones that do the depth? They fix every element of it. So you can't just build a nice logo, build a nice website and expect that people are going to pay you forever more while you sit on a beach. That's the lie that's sold to you by a lot of these business books and a lot of these kind of commentators on the industry. The businesses that succeed have built depth and they they don't avoid any of the areas that are uncomfortable. So you've got to sort position, brand, sales, marketing. You've got to employ people at some point if you ever want to escape for your business. And until you've ticked all of those boxes and gone deep, because yeah. we've been in this position, I spent 20 years in business and I was, I could earn money, I could build websites or I could do copywriting or whatever it was, but I'm I'm dancing along the surface, never building depth into it. So I get it. I get what you're saying. But for me, that's more of a personal 
security yeah. issue, multiple income streams, you're not getting out of the fact that if you want a legacy or you want sustainability, you have to build depth into a business. So it's an interesting point to come at, isn't it? Because and I would say to any listener out there, go to value. So Kelly's told us on this podcast twice now, she's mentioned security. So actually a key value for Kelly, whilst being someone who's actually risk, um, risk keen, you, you like risk, you like doing something, actually you're anchored in security whilst still taking risk. So actually it's a core value. And for anybody listening, when we do values work, this is why it's so important to do it because your core values lead to your beliefs, lead to your behavior. And our core values are the essence of everything that we do. And when we hear the buzz phrase of getting out of alignment, <clears throat> excuse me, what can actually that mean is you are being untrue to a core value that you have. And that can be in business strategy, whether we're talking multiple streams, as James was talking about positioning, language, we can be out of alignment because you are not to your core values. So again, go back to season one and I talk about values there and go through and actually do some of that work too. Thank you so much to you beautiful people and amazing couple for being here with me today. It's been a joy to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. I feel like I've been for a workout. <laughs> it has been said that with a big enough lever, you can move the world. I've spent my life figuring out how to use that lever to move my own world. And in doing so, I help extraordinary entrepreneurs do exactly the same for themselves. So I want to offer you a perspective on what gives you the greatest leverage in your life to create wealth, health, and happiness. It's called legacy. And the lever to your legacy is within your reach. If you'd love to know more about this, go to laurapainstanley.com forward slash legacy.